Blog Talk Radio. Blog Talk Radio. about what it's made up of, where do we find the corpus callosum, and a little bit about the evolution before we talk about uh, what happens when it's damaged or some problem happens with the corpus callosum. So for those of you who are listening, you have your balancing program notebook and your pencil and pen, and we'd like you to take notes. Um, We want each of us to understand what this brain is. This is our brain, and we should know it inside out. 
So what is the corpus callosum? First of all, let me spell this word for for us. Corpus, C-O-R-P-U-S. Callosum, C-A-L-L-O-S-U-M. Two words, corpus callosum. The corpus callosum connects the right and left hemispheres of the brain for the purposes of lateralization, and lateralization means communication. Lateralization is when you utilize both parts of your brain. As Dr. Jewell was just explaining, we are using the left side for language and the right side for creativity. That's an example of what we mean, lateralization. So the corpus callosum, if you can picture a walnut out of its shell, there are two halves to a walnut, and before they're disconnected, there is a piece that joins the two halves together that's right in the middle. This is basically, um, Dr. Jill, would you agree that this is basically an example of what we could say the corpus callosum is akin to, if we wanted to kind of picture it? I mean, that's a very valid and very vivid example of exactly how the corpus callosum lays between the two hemispheres of the brain and a really good uh, resemblance of how it actually looks. You know, when you look at a walnut, so interesting. And they do call it a brain food. And it's very strategic that a walnut actually looks like the surface of the brain. So this is quite Mm -hmm. accurate. So, yeah. With its wrinkles. With his wrinkles, and, and then and the if you before you pull it apart, there's a little piece there. That is what the corpus callosum is like in our brains. Now, what is the corpus callosum made up of? I found this to be very interesting. That it is only made up of axons, a x o n s. We were saying that the brain has neurons, and these neurons have axons and dendrites. But the corpus callosum is only made of axons. It has no cell body with the nucleus and all of the other parts, and it is all white matter. Now, part of what we're doing here, Dr. Jewell, is that I'm bringing you the research I found, and we're putting away the fallacies, right? That's correct, and I think it's important that people understand that the axon is the very long extension off of the brain cell, the neuron. So this is the very thing that the balancing program accelerates its growth. So that axon actually begins to grow just like the root of a seed that's germinating. And as you know, that root actually seems like it has an eye. And it just moves and it undulates in the air to find the ideal place, to find the ideal circumstances so that it can actually connect and in the case of a seed, to the proper nutritious areas in the soil and in your brain to a neighboring neuron where it can communicate and transmit its electric and chemical impulses so that whatever information is in that one neuron, that information chemically and electromagnetically travels down this one arm known as an axon to the neighboring nerve where it then relays that energy and information so that the next neighboring neuron will then pick up that information chemically and electromagnetically and transmit it through its own body and through its own neuron to the next neighboring nerve. 
So it's actually mm-hmm. like a serial connection of information that's constantly being emitted throughout the brain. And when you have trillions of these, that is a phenomena. It is an incredible amount of energy and chemistry that is moving in a confined space that we finally conclude is the physical manifestation of thinking. So there are a lot of axons in the corpus callosum. As a matter of fact, the data I was scanning says there's somewhere between 200 to 250 million axons Mm -hmm. that compose this corpus callosum. So this is the extension of the neurons, and you have axons coming from the right hemisphere of the brain and from the left. And this is the critical aspect of the brain that the balancing program develops. But before we go more into that, just give us more of the anatomy and physiology, Deb. Okay. So of the trillion of neurons that make up the entire brain, 200 to 250 million alone comprise the corpus callosum. And um, as you were just explaining, these are contralateral axonal projections. The corpus callosum is the largest white matter structure in the brain. So, again, this is not the gray matter that we sometimes talk about. This is white matter. And, again, it facilitates the communication between the two hemispheres, connecting the left and right cerebral hemispheres. Now, where is this? corpus callosum located. It is in the middle of the brain, connecting the right side to the left. It's a curved band of tissue above the hypothalamus, above the thalamus, but below the cerebrum is what my research tells me. And I've gotten two conflicts about what the size of it is. One part of the research says the corpus callosum is like the thickness of a pencil and the other says that the corpus callosum is like the width of your wrist, looking down on your wrist. So I'm taking from that that the corpus callosum is different sizes in different people. Well, without question, well, well, let's mm-hmm. talk about that for a minute. That is absolutely true, and also we know for a fact that the corpus callosum in individuals who have completed a basic balancing program has even a different contour and anatomy. Because if you think about this, we have individuals, there's a unique disorder that is becoming more common in our present day and age where we have individuals who, for whatever reason, are born without this connecting structure. Mm -hmm. Very interesting when you watch these individuals. It's not lethal. They actually can live, but they have unique characteristics. How they approach life is quite different and the learning capabilities are quite unique. They have to have a totally different means of being able to learn because, again, the corpus callosum makes sure that both hemispheres of the brain are aware of what is going on simultaneously at the same time. That does not happen with people who are born without the corpus callosum. Now, if you recognize that the balancing focus exercise is an exercise that intentionally develops this specific area of the brain first. It ensures that these axons are 
vividly active, well-developed, and highly integrated as they lie next to each other and as they grow and reach out to the opposite areas of the brain that they are being extended into. So therefore, anatomically, to look at the brain of an individual who is definitely balanced and has completed our program, the thickness, the contour of these axons, which would appear basically to the gross eye as fibers, is totally amplified. And the individuals can identify the change in their awareness, their um, acuity of interpreting information, the uh, ease and agility that they have in being able to make comparative analysis of the information and the utilization of that information intrinsically and easily before they give permission to the body to take action. And this is a big issue that many people who are not balanced have. They have to take action on every idea or every perception, work through it physically before they can see that it doesn't work or that it doesn't fit the circumstance or that they're not going to get the results that they want. They do not have the level of integration and visualization where all of this can be done in the brain, projected upon the prefrontal cortex, of the neurons, which then looks like you are seeing a picture or a movie in your brain, Most, uh, many people can't do this. That is why I believe that an eraser was created. I mean, Deborah, I'm just going to go off a little bit here. Do you know oh, that right mm-hmm. my pencils, the erasers are brand new, even though I've had the pencils for a very long time. And the pencils get shorter and shorter and shorter, but I don't have a need to use the eraser. Oh, really? That's Yeah, but that's significant because before I actually take action with the pencil, I can see precisely what it is that I want to capture through the pencil on paper, and it is exactly as I see it in my brain. I don't have to basically take the pencil and then work it out on the paper to finally get the result. So you are mirroring what's in your brain on the paper without error. You just... Recreating exactly. it on the paper, and when you and have enough neurons, of, mm-hmm. right? When you have enough neurons that are accurately and effectively communicating with each other, you don't have to then work it out in the outer world. It's done very easily where it innately should be done in the brain. Wow, Doctor Jewel, with that information, let's take a breather. Okay, you are Let's listening. Let's take a breather. <laughs> you're listening to the Balancing Program, brought to you by the Jewel Network, hosted by Blog Talk Radio. I'm your host, Dr. Jewel, and sitting in with us are researchers, par excellence. You know she's a teacher. I just have to throw that out there. She's naturally a teacher, Miss Deborah Hassan. And so we're here today again to keep you abreast of the importance of having a daily means of exercising the brain, integrating the brain. You know, everybody's in the gym, and you, I see all these people when I go work out, gorgeous bodies, beautiful bodies. 
but the conversations that I hear coming out of their mouths in no way reflect the amount of effort and energy that has been put on the body. It's not being put on the development of the brain. It is not being put on the development of the vocabulary, the development of the thoughts that my brain is able to capture, entertain, and then release in a more evolved manner. So, you know, mm-hmm. it's very important that if you're going to exercise the body, what is your daily exercise and nurturing techniques for the brain? And most people don't have question. one. That's why they're still stuck with 5% brain utilization. And I'm like, if so you can lift re- the weight to uh, develop these biceps and these deltoids, what is the weight that you can lift to develop that brain? And, of course, you ask that question and everybody looks at you like you all of a sudden became mute. <laughs> they're like seeing your lips move, but they're not comprehending what you're saying because it is a thought that hasn't even crossed their mind, and that is because exactly. they don't have a balanced brain. Because if you had a balanced brain, it would make sense. i got to balance the brain. Mm-hmm. So I have to balance the use of my biceps and triceps, my diet, my everything. So we're so overusing that left part. Right. We keep wanting that left part that we've used since we knew ourselves to continue to work for us, and it is overworked, overused, and is not firing like it well, used to. You know, right. But you know, Debbie, now we have individuals who are very right-brained, you know, and I think of a lot exactly. of the uh, artists that I've read about, you know, fabulous work, et cetera. But on a daily practical basis, their life was just outright insane. Full of drama. I mean, mm-hmm. can you imagine cutting your ear off and sending it to somebody? Oh, <laughs> and I'm insane. like, okay, Van Gogh, we know that you were totally in your right brain. <laughs> because, you know, left that brain. That was very creative. Just, <laughs> all right. I'm like, okay, come on. Left brain would have definitely told you, look, we need both ears, those kind of mm-hmm. things you don't do. <laughs> don't even think about mm-hmm. it. Don't go there. But they were not, obviously, had that level of what? Balance. And so that right brain was just totally taking charge, doing all kinds of extreme and creative things. And hey, there we go. And I'm saying so, you know, many people that have a lot of drama in their life, that right brain is very busy, just totally out of control in the practical. Let's look at the facts. You know, let's compare what we want to do. What is the focus for today? Are we in alignment? You know, are we in process? achieving what it is we want today, that part of the brain is not working. So artists Mm -hmm. need this just as much as what I call the nerds, who do nothing but everything is database, and they have no creativity, and therefore they are not able to connect the dots. So when you see the, what they call those uh, individuals, um, the prima donnas, totally out of balance, totally out of balance Uh here. It's like, you know, my goodness, you know, you've got a show to do, you know, these are the things that you need. We are not going to stop the show because they did not have the proper water that you needed, okay, that can only be gotten, you know, four hours from here. No, right. that is definitely an imbalanced right brain. You know, a balanced brain is like, oh, really? Okay, let's check out the process. Somebody handle that. That's from now on. That's taken care of. Showtime. Let's get dressed. Let's go. Do you understand what I'm saying? But an imbalanced person, I do, yes. that is a real big blow up in their world. Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay, even though you may be able to sing your head off, you know, and dance your feet into another dimension, you are very much out of balance in those hemispheres 
need to be put in check because because they're not seeing the whole picture. Exactly, because that, the neurons, that that instance is temporary. They're not getting your water that you want from a certain source. That's a temporary situation, but the focus what? is that you should perform. I'm getting it. Yes. But when the neurons are, are, are mm-hmm. not communicating, you don't get it. Right, right. You don't get it. Well, I hope our listeners are getting it, and um, I really hope that they understand that there's so much more to be offered to you when you get some more um, neuronal growth in the corpus callosum. Um, I'm going to challenge the people who are balancing and locked that until we're able to not use the eraser, we need to really focus so we can get the whole picture and have those pencils like Dr. Jewell that she's not using the eraser. I think that's absolutely the most incredible thing I heard all day. And I can oh, just picture students just, just using erasers and I gotta have an eraser. Do you have any whiteout? No, I don't use whiteout. But so the erasers were replaced by the whiteout. <laughs> so we're gonna get rid of all that kind of stuff. And it's so great because, you know, when I start noticing the diminution in having to use those uh, corrective mechanisms, I recognize it was because the corrections were being done where they should be done, right on my yes, work board, right. the prefrontal cortex right. on my silver screen, so we didn't have to go yes, there. Right. So let me just throw this in real quick. I think it's very interesting, and you mm-hmm. should know this. This area of the brain is so profound that they've actually broken it down into segments. And so the corpus callosum has what's known as a posterior portion, it is called the splenium, S-P-L-E-N-I-U-M. The anterior portion of the corpus callosum is called the genu, G-E-N-U, which in Latin means the knee. And between these two structures, which is the splenium and the genu, there are two aspects known as the truncus or the body. So, therefore, the corpus callosum has a body, it has a genu, it has a splenium. Now, the part between the body and the splenium is often remarkably thin, and it's referred to as the isthmus. Now, there is also an aspect of the corpus callosum known as the rostrum. And this is the part of the corpus callosum that projects posteriorly, that is, to the back and inferiorly, down below and to the sides from this anterior portion of the knee or the genu. There's also a very interesting aspect of it, which when we look at it from the sagittal aspect, that is from the top and in the middle, you can actually then begin to see how you have these different segments of this one structure. So. It's very interesting to note that these axons then now with these different anatomical locations on the corpus callosum connect to strategic parts of the brain. So the center area of axons in the genu or the knee connect to what? The prefrontal cortex. Now I'm saying to you that the need to use erasers, the need to use whiteout minimizes when the genu of the corpus callosum is fully developed. Why? Because with the genu 
the knee portion of the corpus callosum fully developed, you have full access now to the prefrontal cortex. The prefrontal cortex, or what we call the neocortex of the brain, is very important because that is your silver screen. That is the part of the brain that when you daydream and you see all of this activity going on, whether about yourself or something else, et cetera, and it looks like you're actually in your head looking at a movie, those thoughts, those images are being actually reflected upon a group of neurons that literally function like the silver screen in the movie. So when you have full access to the prefrontal cortex, you can vividly see anything that you want to create. When those prefrontal cortex neurons are developed, they have depth and dimension where what you see now becomes 3D. So you can hold an object in your mind focused on the prefrontal cortex of your brain and see it floating in space in front of you. You can turn it 360 degrees, 10 degrees to the right, 14 degrees forward, etc., and see it in its full entirety from that perspective, fine-tune it, erase it, redraw it, etc., just as though you're working on an Etch-a-Sketch or a computer board that allows you to do that. What you are working on when you're working on an Etch-a-Sketch, this is very profound, listen to me. The Etch-a-Sketch is the one-dimensional example of how the prefrontal cortex of your brain functions. So the individual who created the Etch-a-Sketch was only drawing the anatomical characteristic of the prefrontal cortex of their brain. It's silver just mm. like that. And when you put the images upon it, just like a little child with a crayon, it looks black. And when you have full development, you don't have any more black lines. They're in full color. So you have to understand when people tell you, oh, you know, I dream in black and white. And somebody else says, black and white? I've never had a black and white dream. All my dreams are in color. What are they telling you? They're telling you about the degree of neurologic development and electromagnetic transmission and capability of the prefrontal cortex neurons of the brain. And when those neurons are fully developed, they transmit the full electromagnetic spectrum, and that's why they see in full color 3D. Individuals who do not have that degree of development, they will actually see white light or its contrasting grays, etc., but they do not have the transmission of the full spectrum of light, and so they will not see or dream or visualize in color. So you have to understand that all we're always talking about is the degree of the development of our own tissue. And that's why not going within, not recognizing that the ultimate frontier is not outer space, it's inner space. You've got to go so within now to conquer the 21st century. It's very important. Okay. We've, we've got to grow the axons from the corpus callosum to the prefrontal cortex of the brain to get these images you're speaking of. Right, and you have to understand that some people, right, some people are not innately orientated. Their neurons normally don't innately fire that way. 
they will have more expression and more interactive action in the lateral aspect of the brain because that portion of the corpus callosum, which we call literally the splenium, the splenium aspect of the corpus callosum sends fibers primarily to the premortal cortex and to the motor regions of the brain and also to the parietal lobes, which are not only the visual centers but the auditory centers. And so they're hearing, you know, many of these entertainers, Michael Jackson and Marsalis and um, this conductor that I'm looking at, his name isn't coming to me. These individuals have vast amount of neurons in the, this splenium of the corpus callosum that sends fibers out to these lateral and peripheral areas where their visualization really is not visual, it's auditory. Okay, right. I right. See. So the key here is, Deborah, we want a person to be able to have full development of the entire body of the corpus callosum. So they can see the notes, spin them around on the prefrontal cortex, as well mm-hmm. as ride the wave of vibration as it comes into their ear. Wow. That sounds it was, yeah, it was like so interesting. I was looking at yeah, I was looking at a Michael Jackson video just recently, and he was complaining about the acoustics. And he was uh, telling his crew that the acoustics were very painful for him. He was saying it was like somebody taking a hammer and trying to drive it down his ear. And I thought that was very interesting because I was like, wow, you know, his uh, transmission, that part of the corpus callosum and that whole area of the brain, those lateral uh, temporal lobes, et cetera, highly developed, highly developed. Mm-hmm. And if we could have got that level of development throughout the corpus callosum where he would have had full access and capability of all the surrounding areas of the brain, oh, my goodness, what entity would we have? Exactly. Whoa, he was already a super entity with exactly. that part development. Exactly. And that's why this program is so important because... There are many, many people who have these, you know, unique, what I call ultra-developed areas of the brain. But when the rest of the brain is not developed equally, we see these partialities, and they seem to really cause a lot of drama in these individuals' lives. Easily treated by the balance well, well, program. What I thought was interesting, Dr. Jewell, what I thought was interesting mm-hmm. was when you called that we always sabotage ourselves when we don't have the balanced brain. I thought that right. was very, very interesting, a way to explain if you got one part developed and the other isn't developed, you always do something to sabotage yourself, your job, your family, your your um, your finances, and it's like a circular pattern of dis- self-destruction. Because there but is I, not the balance. I, but I want to remove the malice on it. But I, I want to take the malice off of it. So I don't want uh, okay. it found mm-hmm. as though, you know, you're just really into self-hate or self-malice. It's really, mm-hmm. Debbie, because they can't do anything differently because those areas of the brain are underdeveloped. The transmission okay. rate is slow and sluggish, very weak. And so, therefore, the brain is always going to support the areas that are most developed. That's where most of the blood supply is. 
That's where the energy can move through the fastest. That's where the cells can make the chemistry, uh, you know, in split nanosecond time. And so everything is going to always go where the energy flows freely. So where the energy is congested or there's no tracks available to even uh, transmit energy, that part of your life is going to show just that degree of stagnation and neglect. And the person literally is almost helpless to change it because they don't know what to do. They can't see what to do. They are not able to think. The neurons aren't connecting to be able to give them any answers. Then they have to perhaps follow the recommendations of someone else whose brain probably is not balanced. <laughs> so oh, it wasn't right, right, right. a serious menagerie here, which is what we are discovering. This is what we, okay. why we put this show together, because we want our listening audience worldwide to recognize that because we are trying to live our lives with only part of our brain, we have all of these imbalances and exceptional experiences. We weren't created to be that way. It's like an individual who basically is born with their legs and feet bound. That was not the intent. And so this difficulty in getting around and the lethargy and stagnation in one place because, you know, your natural capabilities of mobility have been altered creates a life for you that was in no way natural. So here you are, you have this brain, et cetera, it has this rasse down the middle, a separation. That's fine. No problem about it. There are techniques to basically erase it, eradicate it to give you a whole brain. And it doesn't take much energy. It doesn't take much time. Fifteen minutes a day? My God. Mm -hmm. And all of that is resolved. That's why I'm saying is that it's amazing, and that's why we're talking to the people, because as simple as this is, as easy as it is, the neurons of the brain, the corpus callosum, is still oh. not capable of transmitting this to the extent that is so simple. So with that, I'm going to give everybody's neurons a rest, <laughs> and we're <laughs> going to do our station ID. This okay. is the Dual Network, hosted to you by Blog Talk Radio. You are listening to the Balancing Program. I'm your host, Dr. Jewel. And our wonderful research assistant, teacher, illustrious, balanced individual, Ms. Deborah Hassan, is sitting in with us today. So we're glad that yes. you've come in. Right. We are talking about this very strategic area of the brain that the balancing program goes to work on immediately, which is the corpus callosum. It resolves the issue of having a split brain. Good brain. So I want to say thank you. Thank you for correcting that. The stagnation sounds a whole lot less malicious than <laughs> sabotage yourself. Yeah. But when I first heard that, I was like, how? That's a good way to explain what I have been experiencing. And it wasn't always bad. It was like, okay, um, I had this plan, and then I did something in two seconds that just disconnected the whole plan. So basically that that's part of what I was thinking about. But um, I want to go back also, Dr. Jewel, for an explanation of what is an Etch-a-Sketch for people oh, who listen okay. in all me parts of the world. <laughs> okay, right. Excuse me for assuming that everybody knows what an Etch-a-Sketch is. Okay. 
this thing is incredible. This is a little box, okay, and it's probably about um, five, uh, five and a half by seven and a half inches. In, mm-hmm. in, and it's red. Uh, Lincoln with, uh-huh, usually it's red, some of them are blue, but it has, uh, it's about an inch deep, and it has a uh, powder inside. And the powder looks like it's probably some type of mercury or aluminum alloy powder. And wow. the inside is filled with this powder, and there are two little arms, two little arms just like on a... Um, a protractor, and there's two little knobs on the lower right and left-hand corner of the box. And if you twirl right, the like knob, radio knob. Yeah. right, the one on the mm-hmm. left seems to make the little um, etcher move vertically up and down, and then the left knob makes the etcher move horizontally to the left or to the right. And so with these two knobs, you can actually turn them to different degrees where you, where you can actually form any structure. So there was an art exhibit once at an interesting uh, gallery. And this gentleman, that's all he did was create his artwork on etch-a-sketches. And he did some of the most incredible, detailed sketching I have ever seen in my life on an Etch-A-Sketch. And I was like, wow, he's probably put in 50 hours on this one drawing. And just think if somebody bumped into it. <laughs> it would totally erase it because exactly. all you have to do is take the Etch-A-Sketch <laughs> and right, then everything right. is erased. So this is exactly like what happens when an individual is focusing on something. It's up on their prefrontal cortex in their head and they're seeing this object that they're focusing on in their brain, et cetera. And they're, you know, uh, oblivious to anything that's going on around them. And then somebody bumps into them, okay? And then all of a sudden, everything on the screen in their brain now is totally erased. It just actually disappears. And they literally then obviously are aware that something has disturbed their body and they're aware that they are now in space in whatever room they may be in, and they look at you, and, you know, depending upon the attitude of the individual, they could be very upset, or they could ask you, you know, for what reason did you disturb me? But the point is that they recognize that that intense vision that they were observing was totally erased just from somebody bumping (laughs) into them. And that's exactly what happens with the Etch-A-Sketch, that if you tap it or shake it in any way, the entire diagrams that are made by moving these metallic particles with these two sketches is erased. And I just thought that was just a great externalization of a very important part of the brain that we use on a regular basis, such as the prefrontal cortex, which functions exactly like the mm-hmm. Etch-A-Sketch, and we didn't even know that this was a natural part of our brain to be able to go in and draw a diagram, to write a book, to fix a chair, to put together a bike, all mm-hmm. sitting looking at the prefrontal cortex of your brain before you take your tools out, before you pick your pen up, before you go in the kitchen. It's all done before you go in 
into the outer world to do it. And when you do it, it's so thoroughly done until the process is complete even before you take up the first spoon or the pencil or the screwdriver. So when you finally physically do the task that you've already completed in your brain looking at it, it's just effortless. It's free of flaw because you've already done it. You know precisely what to do even though you may have never done this before. But you did it in your brain. And that's how we've been created to perform. That's what the corpus callosum does for us. Mm-hmm. You got more okay, information? I do. I have some more information. I'm still thinking on that etch sketch and I was only able to draw straight lines, and he was drawing oh, okay. all kinds of designs. Yeah. Um, sketch was made by Fisher-Price, and most of us got them for, like, a Christmas present, and you can still right. find them in yard sales sometimes. And uh, they, they always frustrated me. I, I don't oh, really? think they make them anymore. But they, um, most children had, well, I won't say most children. Um, they're, they're around still, but they don't really, I don't know. I won't make that assumption. But um, they were frustrating to me. I couldn't really draw what I wanted to draw. Well, so maybe know, now okay. that I'm balanced, I'll try again. Exactly, and I thought it was really unique because with the right hand, you had to learn how to use the uh, dial a particular way right. in opposite directions. In the left hand, which the dials go in different directions to coordinate drawing your sketch. So it also forced development of the corpus, corpus oh, callosum right. by how you had to use the hands to be able to get to that frontal cortex. So isn't right, that interesting right. that that's the genu part of the corpus callosum that that little toy really develops the individual. Mm-hmm. So I, I give you all the assignments. Find out where the etch-a-sketches are and get one. And, you know, it's interesting. Let's do this. This is an interesting uh, experiment. Everybody mm-hmm. get etch-a-sketches, especially all the people on the balancing program, okay? Get your, if you haven't joined the balancing program, Obviously, you're deciding to do that. Get your etch a sketch mm-hmm. now and sketch out a particular drawing for yourself. Begin your balancing program, begin your, your vision every day, your visualization, and when you are balanced, when we let you know that you're balanced, then I want you to get your etch a sketch out and draw a new sketch. Now, what you can do if you don't have to have three of them, because we have cameras now on your phone. Take a picture of your first sketch, okay? Mm-hmm. You can work with your extra sketch every day. When you're announced and told that you're balanced, then now sketch your next picture and then compare the difference to when you first started. Wow, continue that would be to practice your, mm-hmm. Yeah, continue <sighs> to practice your extra sketch, and then when you are now informed that you are locked, draw another picture of your choice and then take a picture. So you have before, when you're balanced, and then when you're locked, to see your own capabilities and your own development of what has happened to your corpus callosum relative to being able to access the prefrontal cortex of your brain. Mm-hmm. You'll see these things to yourself. Of course, many other things in your life will definitely confirm to you that you no longer just the same person, that you're using your brain differently, that you see your life differently, all these other things. 
but the key is we want to let you know that focus, focusing upon this very strategic structure in the brain changes everything. And for 15 minutes a day, oh, my God, you know, it's, it's greater than a giveaway. <laughs> so we have our assignment, and we'll be asking you about that, and you can send us your notes on blog, at the blog on the Jewel Network. Um, so listen, Dr. Jewel, this is some interesting information that I found mm-hmm. before we talk about disorders and absence of corpus callosum. Um, a little bit about the evolution. Uh, the corpus callosum is absent in monotremes and marsupials. Mm-hmm. Monotremes we know are like platypus and then the kangaroos. These are all mammals. All right. Well, I think it you is, should, yeah, spell that for them. They should know mm-hmm. how to spell that. Monotremes, M-O-N-O-T-R-E-M-E-S. Monotremes do not have the split in the brain, the corpus callosum connecting the two hemispheres. An example of a monotreme is a platypus. We call it the duckbill platypus. Mm -hmm. And we know these are mammals that lay eggs. Mm -hmm. And the marsupials, the kangaroos, and I think maybe the koala bears or marsupials, uh, anyway, they don't have the corpus callosum, although mm-hmm. other mammals have the corpus callosum. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. in these in primates, the speed of nerve transmission depends on its degree of lipid coating, which is mm-hmm. called myelination. Mm-hmm. This is reflected by the diameter of the nerve axon. Mm-hmm. In most primates, axonal diameter increases size increases in proportion to brain size to compensate for the increased distance to travel for neural impulse transmission. Right. This so allows the brain to, to coordinate. Walk. It has to travel. I, I didn't hear what you said, Dr. Jewel. Yeah, because it has to travel while. You have to remember that the spinal cord is made up of what? Axons. Okay, right. It has to travel. I mean, up that's the incredible, cord. though, that, yeah, that one leg of a neuron from your brain has extended itself so long that it actually travels through the brain, through your neck, through the vertebral column, down your spine, through the pelvis, down the leg, and by to the end of your toe. That's one Mm -hmm. axon. One axon. Literally hundreds of them that have extended themselves so that that part of the brain can know precisely what is happening at the tip of your toe? So, so that is a long, a that's a long pathway, mm-hmm. huh? Yeah, so that's so a long pathway. So if you step on a pin, right. when you step on a pin, the impulse from the sensory part of your foot travels up the axon, uh, uh-huh. all yes. the way to the brain. Exactly. And then the brain feels. Uh, tells you, the brain, brain lets you know that you have stepped on this pin. And sometimes you've stepped on it, you don't have a clue, and then you look down and there's this pin stuck in your foot. You don't even know when you stepped on it, but the message has come from the brain that there's something there. So Yeah, but so you have to kind of miss clue. some of the steps. But you miss some of the steps here that's so profound okay. because mm-hmm. once the information travels up that axon, okay, which is literally like a... Uh, copper wire, okay, in a cord, comes all the way up 
into and into the brain, then what happens? The brain cell itself, the neuron, then creates chemistry and then mm-hmm. transmits that chemistry then to other neurons so that those neurons then can tell the muscle cells what they need to do. Then the nucleus of the muscle cells tells the body of the muscle cell what it needs to contract, etc., so that you right. can use your foot. Okay. So it's, not, yeah, so it's not the nerve cell that causes you to move your foot. It's the information that the nerve cell has to impart to, to the, the somatic cells, to the muscle cells, right? So that it's the muscle that then finally responds and then you retract or contract your foot. Now you have to understand that is happening in nanoseconds. Because you're standing there recognizing you felt that, boom, you moved your foot instantly. But those are all of the sequences and all of the chemistry and all of the transmissions of energy that happen up and down your body from the end of your toe to the top of your head so that that one reaction of the retraction of your foot occurs. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's phenomenal when you think about it, how you've been created to do that. Exactly. Exactly. And we all can relate to these examples here. So we have to attest to how incredible the brain is in its state and how much more incredible it could be and will be when you begin balancing the right and left hemispheres. Um, well, see, the key on. here that I think is so awesome is that when the brain becomes balanced, and this is another thing that people will notice, when the brain becomes balanced and transmission now is equalized to the right and the left hemisphere of the brain, to the anterior posterior areas of the brain, because remember now we told you that this corpus callosum sends fibers forward to the prefrontal cortex, sends them to the occipital area, to the parietal and temporal areas. That's the whole periphery of the brain. When you have this kind of uniform brain activity, guess what? You don't go around stepping on pins. You don't go around <laughs> basically running into people with your car. You don't mm-hmm. run into poles and things. You will find that this inability to be precise and accurate in your actions diminishes significantly. So the body trauma diminishes. These things that you call mistakes and instant accidents diminish significantly because you now have full access to all of the brain. Mm -hmm. I'm telling you, this is why the planet is so traumatized because we have individuals, too many of them, that are working with too little of integrated brain tissue. I'll say to you again, you know, look at it. It was played out. Katrina, that was due to limited brain function. Everybody stood there and saw that those levees had problems. They talked about it for years, and they actually did nothing. What do you think that is? That's an imbalanced brain. Observation, but the neurons aren't connecting on what we need to do. The BP issue, how do you know that you're going into literally a dark space, very little control, and you have no backup system to nullify what could be a huge mistake? Only limited brain tissue would design such a plan and go forward with it and then just kind of shrug their shoulders and say, oh, well, we hope. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I hope it goes well. 
Right. I mean, just look at the fact that here we are, 40, um, what is it, 59 other wells in the same area, and the standards were never checked as to what the backup system is if any of those wells exploded. So, therefore, common sense, balanced decision, we must shut down all the wells now since this one well has shown us the error in our ways, and we've got to go and check all these other wells because we do not want 59 other explosions. Right. And the people got upset and went into a tirade about shutting down 59 other wells that they knew had not been built properly. Only an imbalanced brain would be so inconsiderate of themselves. You know that 59 other wells are handled raggedy just like this one, and obviously this one blew up in your face, and you still want to keep those working? That must be at the, at, And you see what time. happened to all the water and all the animals from one well that was barely managed to be brought under control. But you don't want to take any action to stop this problem, which can be magnified 59 more times. Only an imbalanced, limited functioning brain would cry out to keep things the same when they know that there are innate mistakes present in what they have done. So that is why each and every one of us is making a decision as to whether we are going to be continue to be part of the problem or part of the solution. And so by your willingness, just because you want to have a life that has experienced a more developed brain, a fully developed brain, obviously affects everything around you, not only yourself. And if each and every one of us would aspire to want to be the best we can be to ourselves and to learn how to use the body and use it in its most efficient manner as we learn what that is, all these things that we are seeing in our external environment that appear to be threatening and dangerous would no longer exist because we wouldn't continue to create them. Very simple. Mm-hmm. And all as a result of participating in the balancing program, balancing your brain, 15 minutes a day of total focus, and you will get these results of having a whole brain. And you are listening to the Balancing Program Show with Dr. Jewell, and this is Deborah. You can write to us for information at balancing at the Jewell Network, balancing at the Jewell Network, and this is Blog Talk Radio. So, Doctor, I love my little busy. Yeah, I love my little busy bees in the uh, chat room. They're too funny. Somebody went and found that etchings, <laughs> but you can still get them. You can. <laughs> oh, they said we can still get the etchings. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Right. So they went and found okay. them. Okay, you can get them at Amazon.com. Everybody get an etchings <laughs> to get on the balancing program and watch the difference in your creation, in your own and brain, in your own mind. Right. Wow. Let's do that. Well, let's see, our dear engineer, do we have any hands raised on the telephone? 
Does anybody want to talk to us about Etch-a-Sketch and their brain development? <laughs> well, not as of yet. Not as okay. of yet, but... But if you've just tuned in and you're wondering what we're talking about, we want you to get an Etch-a-Sketch and draw a picture, and then you're going to start the balancing program, and when you're balanced, you're going to draw another picture. When you're locked, you're going to draw another picture, and we're going to compare the pictures to see your development. Mine, too. I'm going to get me one as soon as I can. So, um, Dr. Jewel, when you were talking about the prefrontal cortex, here is um, some information from the Journal of Psychiatry and Neuroscience. Mm -hmm. It says, the corpus callosum abnormalities in women with borderline personality disorder and attention deficit is studied, and they are believing it is due to decreased brain volume in the prefrontal cortex, the limbic and parietal areas, uh, and they're looking at the thickness of the corpus callosum, implicating the thickness of it in these disorders. Interesting. So now you heard me say, Deborah, because are you telling me that you're making an inference, this is just an inference now, that perhaps women that have significant premenstrual syndrome, that the real issue mm-hmm. is because of underdeveloped corpus callosum? Corpus callosum, yes. Right, because if the corpus callosum was developed, then the areas of the brain that directly deal with the pituitary hypothalamus, et cetera, and the ovarian uh, circle would be more efficient. See, because if there's Mm -hmm. not enough um, follicle-stimulating hormone being made by the pituitary gland, Okay, because the corpus callosum is underdeveloped, the impulses are weakened, sluggish, etc., then the pituitary is not going to make enough FSH. And not enough FSH mm-hmm. then leaving the brain to really stimulate the ovaries so that ovulation is regulated, completely thorough, that you have a robust corpus luteum that is making enough progesterone so you have complete shedding of the lining mm-hmm. of the uterus, it's not happening. And it's, of course, those hormones seem to be not in balance. But has anybody ever checked to say, okay, well, your levels of progesterone, your levels of estrogen, your levels of SSH, which is follicle stimulating hormones, LH, luteinizing hormones for the corpus luteum, are vacillating? Did we ever look at? What do the fibers of the corpus callosum look like in her brain? Are mm-hmm. they underdeveloped? Are they not even, you know, really much visible so that she's not getting full communication from her right and left hemisphere of the brain to this area of the brain, the pituitary gland, so that it can create enough of the pre-obligatory hormones so that this process happening in the lower part of the body is complete and thorough. That's not mm-hmm. happening. And right. it's not happening because even the physicians who are not demanded to be balanced 
wouldn't even think about doing that per se. So we have a faction in medicine known as endocrinology. But if the endocrinologists don't have balanced brains, then why would they actually look at that whole cycle of hormone interaction relative to brain function and brain balance behavior as a particular issue? They would not do that. Mm -hmm. So it says right here that, you know, the corpus callosum could be definitely part of the problem in women that are having these type of issues. Exactly. They, they simply treat it, they just get a balanced brain. The treatment for it is a balanced brain, yes. 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 So what they did was um, took the MRI, as most people mm -hmm. are familiar with, this scanning image, from 20 healthy women and 20 women with the um, personality disorder, borderline personality disorder, and uh, comorbid attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. So a uh, mesh-based method was applied to measure the colossal, corpus callosal thickness at high spatial re resolution. The result they found was that women with the borderline personality disorder had a thinner isthmus of the corpus callosum compared with healthy women. In the patient group, a history of childhood sexual abuse was associated with a thinner posterior body of the corpus callosum. So um, they did these studies, and they're finding out that the sizes of them are what is causing much of a problem. And um, this is the part that these women also were attempting suicide. Uh, they had psychiatric hospitalizations. Injured, they tried to injure themselves. Um, three self-injurious behaviors per month which goes along with, um, you know, the menstrual cycle. During the past half year with a mean of 2.9 of all 20 participants with the borderline personality disorder, seven had an eating disorder, 14 had a major depression. One half of the patients had suffered from sexual abuse in childhood, and of those, 10.5 had current post-traumatic stress disorder. So that all of that is a result of the imbalance of the corpus callosum and, it, and parts of it being thinner than other parts. Well, so I can say this, and, and you know, it, before we again go to our chats for any questions and uh, go to the telephones to kind of bring this to a close because we're going to have to come back and visit the corpus callosum again because, you know, we're doing a whole... Uh, show on sex and the brain here coming up soon that even in relationship to the corpus callosum here it says research has been done on the shape of the corpus callosum in those with gender identity disorder and research, researchers were able to demonstrate that the shape of the corpus in men who felt they were female were actually reversed and that the same held true for women who felt they were men that the publisher of this article has argued that the shape of the corpus defines the mental sex of an individual over their physical sex. So the relationship between the corpus callosum and gender remains an active subject of debate in the scientific and lay community. Now, this is very interesting because with all of the 
activities now that are dealing with gender, gender identity, etc. I have not, until I did this research, heard any concerns about the health of the corpus callosum and gender identity. Have you? Um, I have not. And I think that's very interesting. See, this is what I'm saying, is that, you know, when we are faced with problems and there are balanced brains that are looking at these disharmonies, it is always the tendency and the action of individuals with balanced brains to look at all of the information, all of the data that appears to have some input or some influence on the problem and then integrate that, extrapolate, and come up with a thorough plan based on all of the information available being observed. How can this area of the brain that is so strategic for all information to be shunted to the right and the left hemisphere of the brain and on a balance on a balanced basis be ignored when we have so many people that are troubled by their perception of themselves, such as in gender identity disorders. How could not the corpus callosum be something that's intensely looked at, discussed, should be on the front pages of looking at this, trying to figure out, well, if that is really the case, then are these individuals to be treated? If we don't find that to be the case, then we know that that's not the issue. But to know that this has been observed and nothing has been said about it, this hasn't been offered, is, again, a void. It is a blind spot in the reality of human beings not being able to absorb, to integrate, and to extrapolate all of the possibilities to get a wholesome answer to any kind of problem they have. And it's that's what happens when the brain is not balanced. Do you understand what I'm saying? This is very, very simple yeah. issue here, but so many people have been in so much discomfort around this. So I'm just saying that, you know, this corpus callosum is strategically important to develop in all of humanity. And then once that happens, now we can get a better idea as to whether the behavior and the propensities and the interests of these individuals if it's really genuine. Because making decisions and trying to talk about who you are with only 5% brain function and then making decisions and then describing who you are when you have 30, 35, 40, 50% brain function is like night and day. And so it's time now going into the 21st century that we do as much as we can that we develop ourselves by taking the ultimate journey which is the journey within full development you know so you buy your gear you know to go kayaking and camping and mountaineering and all these different things let's get the gear together for you to be able to go within Okay, and for you to be able to go within and really explore who you are, how you function, what you are, the basic thing you got to have is more neurons available, accessible to assess the information that you're going to collect about yourself. 
balance the brain, very necessary for you to be able to know more about who you are and how you function. So again, engineer, we have anybody raising their hands, anybody asking us any, you know, incredible questions in the chat room? I see something here. It says, why do women who want a child or children have miscarriages or stillborn babies? And of course, now, you know, with my brain, I see a list of at least 30 different potential reasons why. So I know the individual didn't ask that question <laughs> because we could make a movie on each one of these reasons. <laughs> so therefore, okay, I asked uh, that individual really contemplate that question and really make it very clear about what they really are asking for because there's so many parameters that go into conception, so many parameters that are involved in activities, et cetera, relative to each segment of a gestation. First quarter, second quarter, third quarter of pregnancy, different parameters come in based on what's happening that make all of this significant. That's why when uh, a child is lost uh, in the first 12 weeks versus the second, trimester of pregnancy versus the third, it's a whole different phenomena and a whole different effect on the body because there's so many things that are going on. So again, you know, we've been like children, like infants literally in our lives as it goes with understanding the details of how we function and who we are because our society has definitely been one that has not endowed itself with the knowledge and the detail of how it works and how it functions, even though this information has been available. And so we've paid a high price with the quality of our lives, the damage to the planet, the damage to ourselves for not having this information about how we function. And so it's time now to totally heal on this vacuum of ignorance. We've got to have the information about ourselves. And we have to do this at a rapid rate. And why am I saying that? Because we are constantly contributing to creating machines that have qualities made in our image and likeness, and we don't even understand the details of the qualities that we have. So, you know, it's very dangerous to impart a quality of yourself to something or someone and you not really understand what it is you have and what you've done. It's very, very dangerous and, you know, this is going to come back and kick us if we do not catch up with understanding ourselves and then being able to be clear about what capabilities and what qualities do we want to endow a piece of steel, a piece of plastic, because we may not actually want to endow these uh, substances with human capabilities until we ourselves are in control of those attributes. And when that's not happening, you're not in control of it, but you give these qualities to someone else, it goes into a real different phenomena that we're going to have to be accountable for. So we are back at kindergarten asking everyone to first grow up your corpus callosum. Develop that area of the brain that gives you unification between the right and the left hemispheres of the brain, and then let's go forward with active 
balanced neurons exploring ourselves and our world. So. And you can do that by sending in your request for information to balancing at the Jewel Network, balancing, B-A-L-A-N-C-I-N-G, at thejewelnetwork.com. And we'll respond to your request for information. Right. Well, you know, we have another question here interesting. Uh, In our chat room, individual rights, when I was a child, I was considered to be a hyperactive child, and I got in trouble all the time. But now, as an adult, I'm pretty calm and collected but have noticed that I still find it hard to focus or to stay on one topic. Why would that be? Well, I can simply say this. There are not many people now that are born with the capacity to innately focus. And because of the educational curriculum now, there are not many disciplines taught in schools to assist the child to learn how to focus. And so therefore, most people wind up not being able to concentrate, not being able to stay aligned and in total thought on one thing. Therefore, these individuals wind up being able to only do what their concentration span will allow. That can definitely be remedied because that is what the balancing program does. It is a 15-minute per day focused exercise. And so this is the only challenge in doing this program. And that challenge is, is that when you are in the process of this exercise, you must commit to ensuring that you think of nothing else except what is in front of you for that 15-minute time span. So every day you're willing to do the exercise and you commit to not thinking about anything else. It may seem as though you don't know how you're going to get through these 15 minutes because I've only been looking at these symbols and within a minute or two minutes my mind has jumped off on something else. And the commitment is that when it moves your mind off of the symbol, you will Stop your time clock and start over. And we've had many people tell us, but boy, I was so tired of starting over here that I just got really upset and said that we're not starting over, so we've been really willed our attention to stay on the card. And when they begin to use their determination constructively like that, they recognize that every day they had to start over less and less, so finally they were able to look at each symbol five minutes and not be aware of anything else. They had finally broken through that limitation of not being able to focus. Now, what happens? The inability to focus really talks about the fact that the neuron itself, the axon, okay, is not stable enough, whether that's the neurochemistry, et cetera, to be able to transmit an impulse for a longer length of time. That is a training. What we're talking about here, and that's why I keep using the term kindergarten in relationship to the balancing program, because it's just like what a child has to go through to be eligible to go to kindergarten. They've got to develop enough brain 
a neuronal capability where they can control their bladder and their bowel when in the classroom. So this is a thing that for you to be able to have intense learning sessions with yourself or with any other source of information, you've got to learn how to be able to control the impulses of your brain so that they just don't jump off into another track of neurons that contain different information that has nothing to do with what you wanted to observe at the moment. That's what happens when your uh, concentration is broken, that the impulse actually switches over to another group of neurons that contain different, different chemical information. And you don't want that. You didn't tell the neuron to discharge the energy and then another neuron that has nothing to do with what you're interested in focusing on to pick it up and take it some another direction. But if you're listening to what I'm saying, that's exactly what happens to your thoughts. And the training comes in in you making sure that the brain only does what you tell it. The brain has to commit to what you tell it as a field, a mind of knowledge, a mind of awareness. See, because we've talked about this before, you and your body are not the same. You are a field of consciousness, of vast information that is telling this body what to do at all times. So this is your preparation to begin the exploration of self and anything else in your world in a vast way. You've got to be able to concentrate. You've got to be able to control that brain. So therefore, we're asking this young individual to commit to the balancing program, one, and to set up your environment in such a way that it fully supports you in being able to hold the brain activity on one thing until you say it can shift. So inappropriate music in your environment on a continuous basis is a no-no if you have problems being able to concentrate. Having poor light in your environment is a no-no if you are having problems concentrating. The ingestion of refined sugars, carbonated beverages, and too many refined flour products because they are all carbohydrates that stimulate nerve impulses that will cause the brain to discharge an impulse very quickly. These are foods that you have to stay away from. And definitely dehydration will also cause this. So first thing is is you've got to decide that you are going to be able to have control over your brain and that your brain is going to do what you say, not vice versa, and that you're going to make sure it's going to do what you say because you're going to toilet train it by becoming balanced, which is a focused exercise that definitely tells your attention where it is to be based on where you say you want it to be. So this program is very simple, but it is profound as to how it sets you up to become the master of yourself. Very, very important. So those are the things that I recommend for you to get busy doing. Get on the balancing program. Refine your environment so that it supports you in being able to hold a transmission of a frequency through one group of neurons, whatever that may be, that you want to focus on, and also watch the diet. Too much carbohydrate definitely causes the nerve impulses to just 
really get out of control. And that's why I'm so concerned, and I've seen that years ago, that parents would let their children consume these refined carbohydrates. The child already is having problems really being able to control their uh, thoughts. You know, they're already jumping all around, et cetera. And then you give them these refined sugars, then, yes, they are really out of control here. The diet is totally inappropriate. So I saw something that I don't see very often. I'll tell you this little story, and then I'm going to uh, have Debbie take it over here. This little story okay, I have one back. very special question before you okay. finish. Okay. Before my story? Oh, no. Okay. No, after your story. Oh, okay. After the story. <laughs> I was in the store, and I, I, I the clerk had some problems uh, standing in and, and charging me for this product. It didn't have the proper price on it or whatever. And so while he was trying to get the correct price and information, I looked behind me and I saw this uh, adult and he had uh, three other males with him, children, and two of them were in the cart. So one was standing next to the shopping cart and one was two were in the shopping cart. One uh, little boy in the shopping cart was punching the older child who was standing next to the cart. So they were just going back and forth doing their little thing. And then the third child, which was also male, was down in the bottom of the cart picking at a piece of paper that was stuck on one of the grids in the bottom of the, ch- of the cart. And the punching that was going on around him, the clerk going back and forth and calling for help and all the noise with the shoppers and you can hear in the background, welcome shoppers, you know, we have a special going on. I was so much chaos going on in the environment, and this little boy was bent all over trying to get this piece of paper off the bottom of his car, and he was totally oblivious to anything else going on. And I must have watched him for at least three or four minutes figure out how he could get this paper from being stuck on the bottom of the cart. And he was working with his little fingernail and his little uh, digits and everything, and he had no idea of all the stuff that was going on. That is what we call concentrated focus. And I rarely see young children being able to do that. So I immediately took upon myself and volunteered to find out who the adult was with these children. And he told me that was his son. And I asked him to please not allow lots of sugar in this child's diet because he has a special gift, the capacity to concentrate and not to disturb his metabolism so that he would lose that capacity. Wow. So this child could learn anything because he could focus. He could focus. All that chaos going on, most people can't even take that, adults. He was totally oblivious to that because he was so focused and centered on just that piece of paper, and he was working with, figuring out how he could get this piece of paper off of the bottom of this car. And nothing else mattered. That is what we call a focused and centered mind. Most people have to work to be able to have that degree of concentration. Here this little boy is in the midst of all this chaos exhibiting this trait. You never, ever want to decimate that capability. And if any of you have children that have that, you must nurture that quality. You must help them be able to develop it even longer. If they can sit half hour, 45 minutes, this person is able to do anything. 
they're able to learn anything when they can concentrate like that. And they'll be able to see through the different levels of options available to them in any particular situation. This is what the balancing program also does for you. Because, again, most people have to be taught how to concentrate because we don't have environmental and educational uh, facilities that nurture this needed quality. Okay, that's my little story. We have six minutes left. Okay, great story. But the little boy who knew how to concentrate. We lost we had that and lost that, and we're getting it again now. So here's a special circumstance. There's a question that came into balancing at the jewelnetwork.com, and the question is, will the balancing program help a 27-year-old who is nine years in brain damage? He is quadriplegic aphasia, using eye blinks and grunts to communicate. Do you think he can grow neurons? Okay, well, the answer to that question is... Of course he can grow neurons. We know for a fact that neurons, just like any other cell in the body, they do regenerate themselves. That's not the question. So that is old information. If anyone has had the audacity after all these years of knowing this to tell him that he could not change his state. Now, the key here is his attitude. Attitude is everything. His cells of his body will do for him what he commands of them. So if his attitude is such that his condition is transitory, that this is just a matter of time because this is not how he is going to continue to live his life, then the cells then are willing to change. They're willing to take direction, and all he has to do is he's able to hold a focus. This individual needs some instruction. The balancing program would be ideal because once, he is now able to stimulate neuronal growth, then behind that he can now give commands, that is, thought, to his body on what it is he wants the body to do, and that will happen. So he has to really clean up his thinking. He doesn't want anything or anyone around him that has any kind of thought, any kind of perceptions that he can't change, that he can't uh, uh access the desired result that he's envisioning. So with people like this, they do very well when the environment is kept pristine and clean, pristine and free of doubters, worriers, or individuals who cannot join with him to see his final picture. Very important. Because these individuals, obviously, because of what appears to be their limited mobility at the moment, are very susceptible to environmental influences of that nature. But, yes, he definitely can change. The neurons do grow. The balancing program would help him tremendously. There's a story um, that's being circulated around uh, on YouTube where there was a gentleman who crashed his private plane and he uh, fractured his spine and when he woke up, he was on a respirator and a quadriplegic. And, of course, they said, well, you know, glad that you're alive. We didn't think you'd make it the first 24 hours. And, you know, you're still kind of in a perilous condition. And most likely it looks like you're going to be a quadriplegic the rest of your life and never sit up again. Well, this person had done all kind of miraculous things 
when he was healthy. And so for the doctors to tell him that just was like, you know, water rolling off the duck's back. So he and his wife finally established a means of communication because, of course, he couldn't talk. He was on a respirator. So they used the blink and the weak eyelid uh, technique to work out the alphabet. And with that, then he was able to communicate with his wife. So the first thing he told her was that he was going to have to learn how to breathe again, but he was not going to have this uh, tracheotomy in his throat for much longer. So he did just that. He was able to be extubated off the respirator, et cetera. They were finally able to remove the trach, and, of course, then he could speak for himself. At that point, he was like, you know, the goal is I'll be walking out of here for Christmas. So it took him approximately about nine months, but it was amazing to see that he was rolled to the front door of that hospital and in a wheelchair, and he picked himself up, and he stepped across the threshold outside of that hospital on his two feet. So he gives his own testimony that, you know, again, a mind that is centered and focused can do anything and that he was a living example of that. So this individual who is, you know, making some decisions about whether he's going to reclaim his body or not, it is his decision. It can be done, and it requires focus, relentless, disciplined focus, and an attitude that all changes are in his best interest. And if he can embrace that, then, you know, he's out of there, whatever condition it is. And that's very important. Well, Deb, we got just about a minute left. Personally, I want to say, yeah, thank you for tuning in. I hope you've learned a lot about the corpus callosum. We're going to visit that again later on when we look at sex in the brain in just a couple of weeks. But tune in next week because we're going to be talking about the neuron itself. So uh, I love you. Join the balancing program. Do not walk around here with minimal, limited brain function. You must develop that corpus callosum. So let's get busy. And, Deb, what do you say? I want to say um, ditto. <laughs> bye bye, everybody. You have said it. And thank you for listening. Thank you, Dr. Jewell. Bye bye. Thank you. See you next week. Bye bye. Okay. Thank you. Bye bye.